0: All right. Uh, like I said, it's hard to believe next week is um, Easter, um, but we will be uh, celebrating our last Easter service in here, um, in this building. And uh, it's been good to us. We celebrated our first Easter here, and we celebrated everyone here. So it'll be really neat to celebrate our last one here and to move on as God is uh, leading this church in some really cool, cool ways. Um, I want to ask you a question. Anybody? How many of you like snakes? Who does not like snakes? Okay, I'm with you on that one. Um, I, I've hated snakes for a long while. Uh, my paternal grandmother, she would wet herself if she even saw a picture of a snake. Um, so I guess it, I, I'm not that bad. Um, but I may, you know, I don't know, may poo myself. Who knows? So anyway. Um, but there was one time before we, uh, had, I was able to have a shed, um, I had a, a tractor, a garden tractor. And I had it covered in plastic, and it was um, fall time. And uh, I got on the tractor to make that last one or two cuts before the year. And I'm sitting on there, and all of a sudden, I started up. I'm riding along. I'm like, doo-doo-doo. And you know how you get that feeling like something's watching? You know, you ever had that, deal like, there's something here? And I just kind of went like this, and you kind of feel like... I would on this, like, thermal kind of jacket thing. And I was like, something? did I hit something? And I look, and there's this huge snake... He had come out of the side. Thank God he didn't come up between my legs. You know, I would have been like, Ah, you know. So so I did like every masculine person does. I screamed like a girl and jumped off and the tractor was gone. I didn't care where it ended up. I ended up on the deck looking through my <coughs> my door, going, eh, eh, eh. and Melissa's like, What is wrong with you? Uh oh, snake snake, there, you know. And so every time afterwards, I ended up getting a shed really quickly after that. And um but every time before that, I'd start it up, flip up the seat, hit it with like a hoe or whatever, you know. Uh, and I just, I hate snakes. And um, so I, I love the section of Scripture. I love how in uh, Genesis that um, God refers to Satan as a great serpent. Um, that fits with me. Um, because I don't, I, don't, I don't like snakes. Um, but uh, anyway, in thinking about this, and I know there's some of you do, and you're weird, and we'll pray for you, um, but that's okay. Um, I, I don't like them anywhere near me, and that's good. Um, one of the things was, um, as I was thinking, we've been doing a series called Close Encounters, and um, we've been doing that for the last several weeks, and in this Close encounter series, we've been talking about people who came in contact with Jesus and they, they changed their lives, and this is the Sunday that I usually spend a lot of time focusing on the suffering of Jesus, and um, I've done that in the last several years, or um, on the celebration. This time last year was where I took off my clothes in spandex um, to show you what the people did, um, how they just got naked before God and, and um, worshiped him. And so I didn't want to get naked and I didn't want to uh, really, I didn't really feel God wanted to uh, hammer on my heart about the passion this year. Um, and so I, I was just looking more into this close encounters and I, I figured we got to deal with an encounter that we don't deal with very often. Um, and that's the encounter with Satan himself. You know, we talk about evil and most people believe that evil exists in the world. Um, but it's very interesting when you begin to look and see what people think about Satan. Um, and so we are going to continue in this close encounter. You know, Satan has gone down in history. He's got a lot of different names. Um, Abaddon, which is named for destruction. The accuser, which is Ha Satan, is actually a title, not a name. It um, the, means the accuser, the adversary, um, the angel of light. Um, angel of the bottomless pit. He's known as the anointed covering cherubim, which kind of weirds us out because we're used to the Dante's Inferno view of pitchfork and uh, horns and, uh, and, you know, looking very grotesque. Um, referred to as being involved in the Antichrist. Apollyon, named for destroyer, the beast. Beelzebub, um, Belial, uh, deceiver, the devil, the dragon... The enemy, the evil one, the father of lies. He's known as the god of this age, the king of Babylon, the king of the bottomless pit, the king of Tyre, the lawless one, the Leviathan, the liar. Oh, we got tons of them here. The ruler of darkness, little horn, man of sin, Lucifer, um, which means bright and morning star. Murderer, prince of the power of the air, Satan, serpent of old, son of perdition. Uh, Tempter, Thief, The Wicked One, and I could go on and on and on. It has a lot of different titles, I guess I would say. Titles when it, re, when it comes to talking about, about Satan. You know, it's, it's really interesting as we look at this. Um, I was looking uh, in the scripture, and as we, I was look, looking also online about the best encounters and doing this kind of thing. And when you look online, you find the best encounters that have ever happened. You see Ali versus Frazier. Down goes Frazier, right? Um, we have that one. Or uh, Tyson versus Holyfield, if you're you know, up for an ear-biting here or there. Um, any of the Yankees versus the Dodgers in the World Series. Um, or any Yankees versus Orioles, um, for you Orioles fans. Or if you're a UFC person, maybe the Couture-Liddell fight. Um, or Cowboys versus Redskins. Or Eagles versus Cowboys anybody who can beat the stinking cowboys, in my mind. Or maybe you're political, and you go back to Kennedy versus Nixon, where the early days of television allowed makeup to be used and make a young John F. Kennedy appear to be very calm and cool and collected, and a non-using makeup, Richard Nixon, seemed very sweating and nervous, um, even more nervous than when he had his downfall. But you know, it's interesting, this encounter between Jesus and Satan is one that isn't on the main list, but its it has great significance for us today and eternal significance for us as well. So as was read to us awesome today, um, when we look at this scripture lesson, here is Jesus. I find it very interesting that Satan... It, Every, all the verses of, of Scripture, when you look at this section, in, um, it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. Why? What had happened at the Jordan before? He had just had that great moment where John the Baptist, anybody watching the Bible se- mini-series, the one that was depicted last week, where here he comes and John's talking. I like John with dreadlocks. I think it's really kind of cool. Um, and then all of a sudden, he comes and John says, there'll be one after me. And he stops and he goes, whoa, there he is. And Jesus says, baptize me. This has just happened, and the sky is open. And we have God saying, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. An incredible happening here. And then, if you go to the next, to the Gospels, the next thing that's talked about is, you know, Luke's a little bit nicer. He says he left the Jordan, but Mark is very violent. Mark says he was torn from the Jordan and thrown into the wilderness. Anybody have those situations in your life where you feel like everything's going wonderful and then you're just torn from the good place, thrown in a dark place, in a place that just seems like, where are you, God? And as he's there, we we read in the scripture where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and ate nothing during those days. And at the end he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell a stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written... Man should not live by bread alone, and the devil led him to the high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, and I will stand at the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift your, you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, um, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to test. And when the devil had finished tempting, he left him for an opportun- until an opportune time. And I began to uh, look some more at this. And I began to look at some of the other scriptures. If you go to chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, it's there, this account of Jesus being tempted. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, you have Matthew talking about this. Why is this so important, this little event? Because from this event, most of us like to look back as the transitional point in Jesus' ministry as his baptism. But I believe his encounter with Satan becomes the transitional point of what he came to do. And I believe it's important for us to look at that because this launches Jesus' ministry. And in our culture today, there is little focus on Satan. As a matter of fact, in 1997, there's a a USA Today article. If you want, you can jump online. And it's called, Is Satan Real? Most People Think Not. It's from uh, New York Times. And the New York Times article states some interesting things. Out of 1,000 people, two of three agreed to the statement. The devil is not real. He is just a symbol of evil. Um, it was through a, a barn of research. Now, you can go on and on and find many of these things, and you find that uh, throughout many, many ways and areas. And some here may have a different concept of Satan. Maybe yours um, derives from the old movie with George Burns Oh God, you devil. And if you laughed, I know how old you are, okay? Um, but. Or, you, you know, it may come from Dante's Inferno. Or it may come from the Bible series, and I'm here to say it is not Obama, no matter how much they look alike. All right? Or maybe you think it's President Bush. If you want to go ahead and do some web searches, you can find many presidents with pitchforks and horns. Um, and just as there's actually a website that uh, believes that Dick Cheney is a lizard. Um, so I'm telling you people have all kinds of different things. Or maybe you sway the other way, and in this March Madness, you believe it's a blue devil like the Duke Blue Devils. Who knows? But I want to take you out of all that, and today we want to spend some time dealing with who he is. Let's look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis probably one of the greatest human beings that ever lived for, for Christ, and just greatest human beings. And here's where he says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And so this is from C.S. Lewis. So we are going to spend some time today unpacking some things. And the first, we're going to use the old Flip Wilson thing. If you really laugh at that, you're really old. And the the statement that people love to say, the devil made me do it. Let's look at this today. What does Satan want to do? Well, number one, let's look at some of his goals. Number one goal that Satan wants to do that we learn from the scripture is Satan wants to deceive you. That is your first um, thing there. In Verses 3 and 4. Look at what it says. It's printed in your bulletin. Satan says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. Now, there is nothing wrong with food and bread, unless you're on a no carb diet and you're trying to lose weight, and bread is the great, and food is the great evil. Um, But. There is nothing wrong with food at all, particularly after you haven't eaten for a while. Food is very appealing. But you see, Jesus knew Satan was up to something. He wanted to deceive him. Why did Jesus know this? We learn from verses 1 and 2 that Jesus was in the desert for how long? Forty days. So a little over a month. And during that time, he was doing what? fasting. Now this isn't something that we in our 21st century culture embrace, sadly. Um, but it is a spiritual discipline. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever gone five hours without eating? Okay. How many have ever gone 10 hours without eating? How many have gone 30 hours without eating? Okay, the people from 30 hours. How many have gone longer without eating? I would say the longer you go without eating, the worse you are to be around. Am I right? And if you really want to test that, um, the other night we we got the opportunity, my parents had given us uh, a thing to sight and sound, and so we just took the kids and went and saw um, Noah, which was really kind of cool, and um, I hadn't seen that one yet, so we went, and then afterwards we had the impossible task that I have every time we go somewhere of trying to find something to eat. Okay. Now I I, hadn't—I had gotten off my schedule, and I didn't have like the food with me that I need, my snacks and all that kind of stuff. And you guys don't care. But either way, um, when you ask, "What do you want to eat?" it is the most—if you want to see evil come from me, pack me in a car with my family and and a group of people, and say, "What do you want to eat?" It is the most annoying process I have ever been through, and it's to the point of, "What do you want to eat?" I don't know. And you know, when you go to Lancaster, that's when I wanted to do my cheat meal and sit down. But then, oh, it's going to close at 8. So I'm like, they're going to bring out crap, crappy stuff toward the end, and I'm not going to sit here and be able to feel miserable. So I'm not going to do that. So we didn't want to go there, so we decided to go around. Before it was over, I went to five different places to feed people, and I got a Power Bar from Wawa because I was so frustrated. I said, I'll just eat a Power Bar. And they were eating all kinds of stuff. But, you know, Emma Gale, I got her Five Guys. And when you're hungry and you go into Five Guys, that smell is from the devil. Because it's awesome. Now, imagine if you're fasting and you haven't eaten for 40 days. And you got somebody's dangling the best food in front of you, Five Guys, you know? Or something even better. I mean, we had all kinds of smells in there. We had Chick-fil-A, we had Five Guys, and we had um, Long John Silvers. I mean, you got, you got some good smells going on in that place. And I'm eating a power bar. And I, I started thinking about Jesus at this point. That how easy it would have been. And there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what, I'm hungry. Time to break my fasting. Go ahead. But he knew that he was fasting. When we deny ourselves fasting, it brings up the stuff. When we're hungry, it brings up that stuff. Anybody seen that Snickers commercial? Like, you know, where, where you know, like they act totally different. And they try a Snickers bar and they feel good. You know, um... That's what hunger does to us. It brings up that stuff that's not good in us. That brings up that attitudes in us. And it refines us. But when we fast and deny food and focus on God, it helps us get stronger. And this was a discipline, and it should be a discipline in our Christian lives. And as we look at this, Jesus was doing that to focus on God, yet he knew, even though he was hungry, if he fed that, he would take the focus off of God and put it on himself, and it turned on Satan at this point. He knew he was up to something. The first thing Satan wants to do is deceive us. How does he do that? He, he just does it by... Causing us to lose focus. Let me ask you this question. In what ways is Satan trying to deceive you and test your commitment to God? You know, Satan is very deceptive. And I I will tell you, one time um, when I was at this church, I had somebody who said, hey, we're getting... A deep sea fishing. Our company's getting a deep sea fishing thing together. How'd you like to come? I'm like, cool. That sounds awesome. Because I see the pictures of the people having, you know, I had I have visions of me strapped in, fighting a big marlin. You know what I mean? And and holding it up and going, ha ha ha! I am man. Hear me roar. You know? Um, and when we got out there, it was, it had been a storm and it was really choppy. Like really choppy. And you know, you just you can see the land but you know everybody's thinking the same thing you are and you're starting to go you know like this and you're you're sorry that you stopped at Dunkin Donuts and ate that greasy breakfast sandwich you know what i mean and you're like Woo-w-w-w-w-w-w-w. but you're with a bunch of guys so you don't want to be the first one to hurl you know what i mean and so so you know you, you catch one guy he kind of go down you think okay well if i go down underneath I'll feel better, but it's got that real bad fiberglass smell, so you add that to the, and it's like 10 times worse, so I'm out there, and I'm like, and then it started, uh, it started getting worse, and worse, and then finally, the youngest guy was like, blah, you know, and he did, he was in the bucket, but I was going to do it better. You know, I was going to fish and hurl at the same time. You know, like, hey, that's some chum for the fish. There we go. You know, and, and I was doing it and I was like, boom, you know, just, and other people are going to hide. I'm just like, let it go. You know, um, and you just feel horrible. My vision I was deceived in thinking I was going to be this great marlin fisherman, and the only thing I brought home was a stomach ache, you know, and couldn't wait to get on dry land. And at that moment, I'm looking, and I see the shore, and for that brief second, you think, you know, if I jump out, I can make it. (laughs) And, you know, and then then it's just like, no, you can't. No way you can do that. And, you know, although that's a humorous story, and believe me, I got plenty of them, um... It is not humorous the way Satan constantly deceives us each and every day. You know, and there's so many ways, for some of us, he just clouds our judgment. For some here, you may be in the pursuit of a great career, and that's a good thing, but not at the expense of your marriage or your family. It's not a good thing. You may want to achieve success in whatever you can, but to compromise your principles and your relationship with God, it's not right. And you're going to end up being deceived in this world. Next thing, number two. Satan wants to dominate you. That's number two. If we look at verses five through eight, which are printed in your bulletin, the devil led him up to a high place, showed him all the instant kingdoms and the wealth of the world and said, I will give all them to you, all the authority and splendor it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone. If you will worship me, it will be yours. Goal number two is that he says, worship me. He wanted the focus to be on him. What Satan wants to do is to dominate us. He wants to be the sign of our worship. That's what caused his fall from heaven in the first place. He wanted to lift himself up to be greater than God. And I'm not going to get into too much theology, but as we learn from the scripture, Satan was a worship leader in heaven, and and so he thought a lot of him, and he was beautiful and powerful, and a third of the heavens fell with him. And so as we look at this, we find out some very, very, very interesting things that William Waresby um, wrote about Satan's domination and his will. And he says, Satan wants to do these things. Number one, he w- these are some things that he wants to try to dominate. First thing he wants to dominate is your mind. Your mind. What is the goal here? Well, the goal is to make you ignorant of God's truth. He, he wants to just get you to do something different. He doesn't tell you, no, 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 no. What he does is he gives you another option in life. Life is, we, we live in a country where there's billions of options. We can choose and we have that freedom to choose. But with, that, with freedom comes responsibility. And one of, one of the things, I'll give you an example. One of the things I've been asked many times as a pastor is, why did God put the tree of The knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Wouldn't it have been better if he just left it out? But God wanted choice and free will. And he placed it there. And they knew very clearly that God said you can eat from anything else but this. And look what Satan does. He gives her another option. You won't die but you will know from good and evil. You'll be like God knowing from good and evil. Just twisting the truth, giving another option. And in our lives, we take the road most traveled rather than the one less traveled in our lives. And we often don't focus on the God option, but another option. And we end up allowing Satan to control our minds. So that's the first thing. The next thing that he wants to do is our body. And what this goal does is it makes us impatient of God's plan. For instance, we shared today that we're glad to have some people here who've had some health issues. And in each of them, I, the ones I've seen, they have been uh, had tremendous patience. Because I'm not a good sick person. I'm really not. Anybody a good sick person? And when, when you're ill or when something's going on in you, you know, sometimes you just like to be miserable. And when I meet people who have some of the biggest challenges, recognize my uncle who had... Cancer that was in his appendix that broke and went through his body, and seeing how he worshiped God and glorified him through it, using the same faith of both Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said, I know that God is able, but if not, I know God is able to heal me, but if not, he's still God, and I'm going to worship and glorify him. You know, if we look at Job, Job had some issues. He lost his family, he lost his uh, monetary deal, he had friends who came from a long way that were miserable. His wife told him to curse God and die and get it over with. And if you look at that pattern, he's attacked everything. And the last thing Satan attacks is his health, where he has sores all over his body. One time when, um, when the kids were little, I had the flu. And was, is that hand, foot, and mouth? Anybody ever seen that thing? Anybody's kids have that? Anybody had that in this adult no, because you don't get it as an adult unless your immunity is down and then you get it as an adult. And it is the, one of the worst things ever. It, what it does, it, it creates this thing on your nerve endings. Le, to let you know, we have more nerve endings than little children do. And it was brutal. I remember when Abigail had it and I said, oh honey, it's okay, you're fine. When I had it, I was like, this is not fine. I sat in a bathtub with a popsicle in my mouth. And was miserable. Now that gives you an image, doesn't it? (laughs) That was my Job experience. It was brutal. And when you walk, it's like walking on tacks and pins. When you touch something, it's bad. Your mouth is filled with ulcers and sores. And they're not open. They're underneath the skin. It is brutal. And I looked at her and I said, Honey, don't ever let me tell you it's okay. This is horrible. When your body is attacked, you start to lose focus. On who God is. At that point. If we're not careful. And Job is the only one. He complained a little bit. But guess what? He didn't complain to the nature that Jack would have. If we had the book of Jack. It would have been a heck of a lot worse. And what did God do for him? He blessed him. And doubled everything he had before. Because Job did not lose focus of who God was. Even though Satan wanted to try. The third thing is. Satan's strategy wants to dominate our desire. And what this does is our desire, when he dominates our desire, it makes us independent of God's will. Independent of God's will. In other words, here's where we be, and I believe this is one of the biggest dangers in our world today, where we begin to pursue um, our own ways. That we stop living for God and we start living for self. If you want to read about this, 1 Samuel chapter 10, we had David who is constantly a man after God's own heart, constantly serving him. And then one day he ended up on a roof and there was a lady named Bathsheba. And he, he could have turned away, but instead he brought her into his house. He laid with her, and she got pregnant. And then, you know what he did from there? This man after God's own heart who stood up for God. Then he decided to bring her husband home and tried to get him to go home so he could pass it off on him. And when that didn't happen, because he said, I can't do that when people are fighting. My men are fighting out there. I can't go home to my wife. He sent him a message with him and said, put him on the front line so he gets killed. And then he took her as his wife. You see what sin does? When we get our... When we pursue our own desires in life it ends up, sin just ends up going more and more, and affects other people's lives as well as your own. Now, I don't also, in this point, do not want to give Satan too much credit. um, Because he's powerful, but he is not equal and opposite God. Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. Satan's just allowed authority right here um, for a time, but Jesus controls him. But, you know, we give too much credit. There was a man in Dallas several years ago who said he didn't kill his wife. The devil did. He knows his his closing remarks were, You know I wouldn't anybody who knows me knows I would not kill anybody. It was the devil who did it. And then we had Mark David Chapman. Anybody know who that is? Come on. Yeah, killed John Lennon. He killed John Lennon. He got his autograph and he said he Satan had him kill John Lennon. Um, others continually go through and say the devil made me do it. Now, although Satan is... uh, There was a singer, Amy Winehouse, who died very recently from drug addiction. She actually was quoted in Now Magazine as saying the devil is the one who is making her addicted to drugs. Now, even though I believe that is Satan's candy, I also believe that we blame Satan and we lose lose our own responsibility in how we react in life. Because as I recognize, God gave us choice to accept or to deny. James chapter 1 Verse 13 through 15, it's printed in your bulletin. It says, when tempted, no one should say God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by what? His own desire, he is dragged away and enticed. I believe Satan's active in enticing and dragging us away and giving us options. But we are the ones who bite into it every time. Um, not every time, but when we, when we sin, that's where we come. When it comes to Satan, we have a choice. So I want to ask you this question. What areas does Satan try to dominate in your life? Is it your time? Is it your money? Is it your schedule? I think many of us have, I, I really believe many of us have Satan-filled schedules. You know why? Because God is not part of it. Um, and your relationship. Is your relationship a godly relationship? Is this something God's calling you to? Uh, And we could go through many, many more. Look at John chapter 10, what it says here. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have what? Have life and have it what? To the full. Okay? Uh, So I think that's important that we have that uh, together as well. Number four. Number four. Satan wants to devour you. And I I think this is really kind of interesting uh, I, I left some things out here, didn't I? Excuse me. Three. Number three. Satan wants to distort the truth. Look at what he says here in verses 4 through 12. Um, and you can, uh, you can kind of, uh, 9 through 12, excuse me, 9 through 12. Just look, kind of look at it. devil led him to Jerusalem, had him at the highest point of the temple, and said, if you throw yourself down from here, he'll send his angels. So what Satan does here, he uses Scripture. One of the things we got to learn is probably the best theologian next to God is Satan. He knows the words. He's better than any theologian who walked the face of the earth. He knows the word. He's been twisting it from the beginning. Am I right? That's the first sin. Eve, did God say that you will surely die? No, he said you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Twisting God's word. twisted all the time. Um, And as we look at this, how does he do this? How does he go ahead and twist this? Here he goes ahead and uses a verse from scripture. He says, throw yourself down from here. It's written... He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you. He uses the word of God to distort what God's intention is. How does he do that to us? How does Satan do this with us? Number one, by doubt. By doubt. Giving us doubt in the word of God. Did God really say? Or the second thing is distractions. And I believe this is the biggest challenge in our world today that Satan uses by distracting us. Distracts us with everything under the world. There, we are so involved with more things in this world, and I'm going to tell you, these are good things. We have our kids in clubs, in sports, in um, scholastic environments. We ourselves are involved in fitness, which is awesome, and all kinds of different things. And it's good to take time to nourish ourselves at times. Am I right? But what happens is when we allow those distractions to become the main attraction in our life. And when church and worshiping God becomes something that we do on the side when there's nothing else to do in the world, rather than that being our focus in life. Because guess what? I am 42 years old. I wrestled in high school. I played baseball. Um, I played football. I did a lot of things. There comes a time where it's time to hang it up. All right? And as much as my mind tells me that I'm in the best shape I've been in a long time and I could get out there and play again, all I have to do is see one of my high school kids on a football team hit somebody and I realize I would be in traction for months. You know what I mean? And, and so as I look at that, I realize... We do need to guide them in good things and we invo- need to be involved in good things. Because one of the big problems, I think, is sometimes church has gotten so self-focused we forget there's a world out here that Jesus placed us in to reach people in. Um, I, I'm even finding it cool now that in the iPod generation you can actually talk to people what you're working out and form relationships with them just by plopping it out of your ear and asking them a question. And using it as an opportunity for, to share Christ and just tell them, that's a great time, you can use it now, because guess what, it's Easter People are ready for church, and they're just asking, wondering where to go, all right? Um, And so what we see is these are great things, but they are not greater than God. When it's all said and done, there's only one thing that's going to matter, and it's going to matter my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not my relationship with everything else. And so we've got to be very careful of how we work that. Look at this verse from Um, John chapter 8, verse 4, I believe it's up here. Do we have that? I think, Melinda, do we have chapter 8, verse 4? Hopefully. If not, I'll have to look it up. Okay, I'll look it up. John chapter 8, verse uh, 44. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, John chapter 8, verse 44. It's just a really cool and special verse. I probably didn't put it in um, today. John chapter 8, verse 44. It's a reference to Satan. Uh, And Jesus is talking to some of the Pharisees at the time, and he says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father lies. Does it seem like Jesus kind of knows who Satan is? And so when we don't listen to God's will and follow him, there is no truth in him, so we're going to end up in a bad place. N- number four, Satan wants to devour you. Devour you. Okay, what are you talking about now, Jack? Look at this verse from 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Remember I said Satan knows the word of God? Guess what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. He loses in the end. He's lost already, but he's really losing at the end. So guess what? A defeated enemy loves company with him. So he wants to devour you and steal your life. Number five, Satan wants to distress you. And for this, I had to go to Gethsemane. Here's Jesus. It, you know, it's interesting, that verse at the end of Luke that, we read, that was read for us today that we read, it says that Satan departed until an opportune time. I love that in The Passion of the Christ, there was this uh, picture at the beginning, and it had Satan in the background, kind of in the background lurking around. Because as the Scripture tells us, it says Jesus went there um, to Gethsemane. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now I know, and many weeks ago I did a sermon on depression. I know that people are walking around carrying a heavy, heavy load on them. I know that people are sorrowful even to the point of death. I also recognize that in this uh, section of scripture that when we get to Luke's gospel, in Luke 22, verse 44, we actually find out that Jesus was in such agony that he began to uh, sweat droplets of blood, that is a medical term called hemodidrosis. And it's where you're in such agony that it's for people who are extremely stressed and overwhelmed that the blood vessels in in their forehead begin to explode and it mixes with blood and sweat begins to drop down. That's heavy and weighty of sorrow. Some of you may have been in that point in your life. And you come to this point... Where you're very sorrowful, even to the point of death. And yet all those around you are falling asleep with you. And you need something. We have times where we are like that. Satan wants to distress us, depress us, and devour us completely. But you see, that there's hope. There's a story of a truck driver. A truck driver pulled in a truck tra- stop. He got a sandwich, a soda and some fries, and in walked three guys from a motorcycle gang, they walked over and saw the truck driver, one went up and picked up and ate his sandwich, next the person went ahead and ate his french fries, and the other person drank his soda, the truck driver sat there, he, he got up, he left the tip, he walked out the door, and, um, and got in his truck, and as he was leaving, the motorcycle people looked at the waitress and said, ha, not much of a man was he? And she looked and said, he's not much of a driver either as he just cleaned out three motorcycles. <laughs> you see, Satan is powerful, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What that says is, we have a power and authority from the risen Christ. And we're going to celebrate in this, this next week. We're going to celebrate the risen Lord. We should every day. Because we're not... We're not bound to a Savior who died on a cross. We are connected to a Savior who rose again. And as we look at that, we need to recognize this very important, that we are the truck drivers, that Satan may come in and steal our sandwich and our French fries and our drink, but guess what? We're riding with Jesus, and we're going to take out his way of getting around. And so when we look at that, we need to recognize, how can we kick his rear end? Here's what we're going to do. Number one, give the devil his due. Resist the devil. The Scripture is very clear on resisting these ways that he tempts us. He hasn't come up with a new trick in thousands and thousands of years. Why would he try a new trick when the same thing works with us? We need to go ahead and to recognize that we, uh, how Jesus did that. How did Jesus counter Satan's um, attacks? He resisted him by knowing the word of God. He um, resisted it time and time again. Look at what it Uh, what it says here. James chapter 4, verses 7 and and 8. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Come near to God and he will what? Come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Confront Satan in all areas of your lives. When is the last time you've really woken up and said, I'm going to confront you in my job. Satan, I'm going to confront you in my relationship. I'm going to confront you in my relationship with God and my commitment to Him. This is how we defeat Satan. It is the opposite of resistance for Satan is called permission. When we don't resist him, he says, go for it. And there are several areas that we need to look at. We need consistency, Overcompromise. What are some of these areas that we give him permission? Anger, greed, hurt, pain. You can make the list yourself. Number two. How else do we do it? Uh, give him his due. We respond with God's word. Every time Jesus was tempted, he responded with the word of God. And and it's interesting in the scripture it focuses. And this is my my best uh, deal. I got to get a real sword for a good illustration, but a real one. Um, That's my excuse to get a real sword, you know? that? Did you see? This is the kind of things I do to my wife. You know, I really need a a sword. And she'll say, okay, uh, whatever. Um, So, but a real sword is, it says the scripture is a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. Now, this is a toy sword. And a lot of times, I think we go into battle with, a spiritual battle with a sword like this. And, and, you know, the scripture tells us very clear that the word of God is a double-edged sword. And that it's our only enemy, against Satan. That's what we're told. Uh, the Word of God. So we go at him with this. Ready, Chris? Here we go. Did that hurt? Yeah. I won't cut that. I won't cut that. Don't worry. Here, you want to get me back? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, hit me right here. Not hard. There we go. See? Now, Now, if I came at you with a real sword, this is fake, right? right. Yeah, if I came at you with a real one, how would that feel? i very uncomfortable, right? So, but... I think a lot of times we have an understanding and we like to play cut-and-paste gospel and we cut-and-paste Jesus that fits into our own nature and we end up doing spiritual battle with a toy sword. And I don't know, every toy sword I have bought my son has broken. You remember those little white ones that you used to buy from the dollar store that had the little black sheath? And you, as soon as you hit something, snap, it would break and, you're, and my dad would melt it together and superglue it and it'd break again. Because a lot of times that's what we're fighting with. We don't know the word of God like we should. How do we do that? Well, we get into a group and we begin to fight Satan with what he, uh, what is our weapon. Satan counts on us not knowing God's word. Number three, rely on God's strength. Jesus referred back to God. If you look at that several times, if you're the son of God, tell us to be... To come to stone. He goes through this several times. And he always refers to God. Worship the Lord your God. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to death. He constantly goes back to God. Because he knew in his hunger he was weak. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 11. We're told we are in a spiritual battle. And after it gives us all the things to put on. It says, for the word of the Lord is living and active. Sharper than a double edged sword. It penetrates, and we read that from Hebrews. Then it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. When we get up, in the, I've heard the great prayer that, that the person who says, Oh, God, thank you for protecting me, that I did no, no sin today at all, and it's awesome. Now, please help me as I get out of bed this morning to keep that pattern going. If that's your life and that's my life, we need, that. we need that full armor of God on us. Read Ephesians chapter 6 this week. and uh, That part, it's really awesome. We need to recognize the fourth thing, that we need to remember our position in Christ. We are children of God. As I close this out today, we are children of God. And a lot of times we think that we are in this tug of war between Satan and God. But again, God has all authority. Um, there, I've seen, uh, there's a writer, uh, his name excuse, uh, escapes me right now. But we need to think of this relationship in a vertical chain of command. That there is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then uh, there's us. Because uh, we have been given the authority through Jesus. Jesus did a real lot of really cool stuff on the earth. And he said, gave us a promise, you can do this and even greater in my name. Satan is not powerful than us. We need to be dangerous to him. And we're dangerous when we invoke the authority in the name of the risen Savior and Lord. You know, several thousand years ago on Calvary, he thought he had won until Jesus made a knock on the door in hell and said, Hey, I will take those keys and release the captives because I am alive forevermore. And from that day, he has been fighting as a defeated foe and he wants you with him. You see... Jesus overcame and frees us. As Romans 8.31 says, You and I are more than conquerors, overcomers by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice, His death and resurrection has overcome and defeated Satan once and for all. So we need to stop living like we are defeated and start living like we're victorious through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4 it says, That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us cling to Him and never stop trusting Him. The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for He faced all the same temptations we do, yet He did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, there we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. As 1 Corinthians 15 said, as the praise team comes forward and leads us in this prayer song, But thanks be to God... He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. I ask that you please stand and bow your head today. Lord God, I just want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for being um, our risen Savior and Lord and for showing us the way, the truth, and the life to combat Satan. We know God, he's ticked because he loses and has lost and just waiting for his final uh, butt whooping. And so, God, we thank you that you have given us the authority through your name. Right now, here today, I know there are people who Satan's beaten down. I know there are people that are are distressed and people who feel like they're being devoured and distracted and have doubt and all those kind of things. They may even have doubt that Satan is a reality or even that you are, God. But we know, as Janet shared today, that, God, you had your hand of protection on her nephew's life. That God, right now we have young people in Ocean City who are... Drawing nearer to you than may, even many of us, and we're going to wonder what in the world's happened to them. And God, we know that there's going to be people coming this door next week that may have no clue who you are. And I just pray that you will anoint this place this week and fill this place with your Holy Spirit so that when we celebrate your, your suffering and death on Good Friday and when we celebrate your resurrection on Easter, that we will, this place will be filled with your Holy Spirit of the risen power of Christ Jesus our Lord. So, God, right now, if we have never committed our lives to you, let us just say, Jesus, I need a Savior, and you're it, and let us just kneel at this altar and accept you. If we had and we're still running through this and Satan's pounding on us, God, just let us take this time to say, I want to make you number one in my life, Lord, and take that first step to work all these things out. You're awesome, God, and we love you. I thank you for the people here. In Christ's name, amen.